me at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone, come gather round. Listen to your favorite sound. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. And welcome you to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, C 70 It's about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one on Twitter. Uh, coming at you after an off day, um, the Cardinals will take on the Brewers starting tonight after taking two of three from the Reds. Uh, Alan, it's two of three from the Reds is great, right? I mean, this is what you want. You can't ask for a sweep, blah, 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 blah. But it still just kind of puts them in that no man's land of kind of close to the playoffs but not really that close while they cut off some time in the calendar yeah it just two and a half is it looks nice and Mm -hmm. it 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 feels decent even going into a really rough stretch but it seems like it hadn't changed significantly you know in the past couple weeks which which gives you a little bit of pause it's it's funny what i don't like is the the further they go on right at the two game two and a half game mark it makes Sunday hurt that much worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, you know, if they don't have the two meltdowns in Pittsburgh, you know, they would have taken over. They would have been in the playoff picture at least, uh, you know, until they lost the game. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, things are different. Um, and yeah, we do need to talk a little bit about the bullpen situation, but um, what did you, I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch the red series. Um it, it does feel, again, though, that the Cardinals are able, if you want, to play to the level of their competition, which is bad when you're playing Pittsburgh, but it's pretty good when you're playing, you know, what the schedule that they have in September. If they can play where they can be competitive with the teams of the Brewers and the Dodgers and the Padres that they're going to have to face, then, you know, maybe they got a shot. But, I mean, did you? is this just, a, you know, kind of a bit of a fluke with that rain out and, and two seven-inning games, or was there anything that caught your eye, I guess? Uh, I mean, nothing more than usual. I, I mean, I thought that it was going to be a hard – I thought it was going to be a neck-and-neck series the whole time if mm-hmm. if they were able to contain the Cincinnati hitting. You know, I just – I can't stay in the ballpark. Yeah, because you know, no lead is safe. You if things can get away from you in a hurry, and balls that that typically don't leave the ballpark always do there. So you never know what situation you're going to get into. So to see them pitch so well and to get out of trouble, and you know, in Monday night's game and then the first game on Wednesday, it it felt pretty good. You could kind of feel game two coming the whole time because there was just situations to where I felt like on the times that you got Castellanos out. There were situations where that could have gone 50-50 either way. And honestly, it, all in favor of Castellanos right now because you just can't – you have a hard time getting him out, period. Right, right. So you just knew that that was all going to come rushing back. And I don't know of a series where Suarez don't hurt, doesn't hurt them at, at some point either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He had, yeah. he had been terrible coming into the series and then they, you know hit the, hit the bomb on uh, Wednesday evening. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me. I was glad to, to see them win two out of three. I kind of thought it may go the other way and where you thought, well – 
this could be the end of it heading into September. But, you know, they say right where they are, like they've been all year. And, you know, we'll just, we'll see if maybe some of the breaks go their way eventually. But, but I'm not sure. I mean, I think that we've seen the team they are. It's going to hover around 500 and you just kind of hope the, the field comes back to you or stays with you. Well, and that is the point is listening to uh, a little bit of, of Ben and Ben on Cardinals off day is they're kind of like the point that everybody in this race is kind of bad. Um, and, and that's the, kind of the right. I mean, you know, you've got the Dodgers and the Giants that are battling it out for the uh, NL West and whoever doesn't win that is going to be the first wild card. And they're up like what, 13 games or something against, yeah. against, over what the red wild card is right now. I mean, it's going to be, now, one game you never know, and it could be picked up. But you know, on paper, it's going to be a huge mismatch in the in the wild card game, no matter who gets in. Um, so to say that they took two or three to Reds is is good, but you know the Reds have their own issues, uh, the Padres have their own issues, and you just hope that their issues kind of flare up. I'm a little bit concerned. You know, you know the Reds are, are who they are, but you know the Padres, if they get their pitching, and we've seen Blake Snell pitch very well the last couple of times out, you know, it feels like to me that maybe that's starting to stabilize and they may be the ones that wind up, you know, putting up together a good September. Uh, the Cardinals get three with them, uh, you know, have a little bit of say in that, but um, it's still, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it, I'm, I'm really trying not to get too emotionally involved in this because it doesn't feel like it's going to have a good ending even though, as you say, they're just hanging around there, just kind of teasing us. Sure, and it, it's kind of like you and I had had talked about. It's it's funny. Do I feel like the roster is good? Yeah, I do. I mean, I feel like they're they're probably a couple pieces away from being really good. But what I always what bothers me and what makes you wonder the difference between the you know the the ninety five win teams and the eighty five win teams are you want you the, those studs your four or five that you pick to not to not lose games or get going for you. When those things start to falter, you kind of wonder, well, is the run over? You know, it's, there's not a closer situation out there that's always stable. So it, you, it's, it's tough to heap a lot of this on Reyes, but you just wonder if, if a move out of that situation is going to be beneficial to him, you know, he's kind of carried him up until this point. And what I'm trying to say is we've never, we haven't seen him hit on all cylinders. You know, we, we keep thinking there's going to be a situation where Goldschmidt and Arnato go at the same time. And we just haven't seen that, you know, or when their bullpen is just locked down, we saw it early in the season. We haven't necessarily seen it. We've seen crack cracks, uh, on those. So you never know. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I, I don't, if you would have asked me three weeks ago whether we've seen their best baseball, I probably would have said no. But I'm not so certain that's the truth now. You know, maybe that yeah. was that little six-game run. And, you know, the couple times they've done that this year, maybe the, be- the best they are. And maybe they this is this is who they are. You know, they may win the rest of the series, but that's still going to leave you short. Yeah, there, it feels like that's kind of where we're at now. I mean, if something happened, wonderful, but – we're not really ex- expecting that. Um, so we did get to see, we, we have seen Paul Goldschmidt be, Paul Goldschmidt has been good in St. Louis. Paul Goldschmidt has had runs in St. Louis. I don't know if we've ever seen Paul Goldschmidt be this good yeah. this long. Um, which, of course, you know, it's baseball. It makes me worry that, okay, well, when's he going to stop? <laughs> you know, he's going to stop at the wrong time, but, you know, if he can stay this kind of hot, I mean, he's really carrying this team, right? I mean, there's there's not much else. I don't feel like there's anything that's just 
outstanding. I mean, Tommy Edmund just obviously was player of the week and yeah. things like that. But, you know, Arnado is has his moments, yeah. but not necessarily anything great. Uh, you know, not, not consistent. Um, you know, Tyler O'Neill has cooled off. Harrison Bader has cooled off. You know, if they're going to win, it's going to be with pitching because I don't see anybody besides Paul Goldschmidt hitting right now. Yeah, it's funny because, they, I mean, I feel like a lot of the offensive uptick has been because Edmonds hitting in the leadoff spot. Um, and you know, and the, like, like you said, that's, we know that that's probably not going to be sustainable just because he doesn't get on base enough. But, you know, like I said, he's going to hit 40 doubles and it's, it, it, it's one of those, he's probably going to hit down lower in the lineup next year, but you know, kind of run, run it while you have it right now, but I'm not yeah. so sure that's sustainable. Be Hopefully it will be for the next five weeks, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's funny. It just shows to goes to show what goes into a big league lineup. I mean, because here we are talking about a guy that's uh, you know former MVP that's going to be a thirty home or thirty double guy, you know, Gold Glove third baseman, and we're like, well, you know, it was just short of what our expectations were, <laughs> kind of. And that just that just goes to show how hard the game is and what yeah. uh, how short you are of a lineup, you know. And uh, and it's 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 interesting to watch, but I catch myself doing that too. But then I go back to the theory of. We have them under the microscope. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's nice to take a step away, but but still, you're you're right. I mean, it, to to go back to your point, it's uh it's tough to see it sustaining the way that it is. Although you know, every month it's gotten better for Goldschmidt, and, and it's actually really fun to watch right now. Oh yeah, it's been it's been incredible. Um, and I don't want to say that you know Arnado's been disappointing or no, 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 no. I, mean, I didn't mean that at all. It's no, just it just shows that what kind of a lineup the Cardinals have. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it's the kind of thing that we've said a lot. Sure, sure. That they needed that extra, that extra bat, and for a while there it looked like it was going to be Tyler O'Neill, and Tyler O'Neill is still a valuable part of this team. But even with him going, I mean, you kind of feel like you need, you don't need superstars at every position, but you do need maybe more than a more than average players at most. Positions. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of feels like what the Cardinals have, but that's what they've had for a while. Um, the pitching is what is going to, I, I think, uh, is what's going to determine what they do this month. Um, and there's some, there's some really awesome things. I mean, there's Adam Wainwright who just was pitcher of the month. Yeah. Who is incredible. And then I saw our story today right now. He's leaning toward coming back next year. Although he says, you know, things change quickly. Um, and the fact that he and Yachty or Molina will be pairing up for the 300th time tonight. Um, and they are within shouting distance. What's the record is like 326, right? Um, and so and they're probably what four more starts, five more starts this year. So, you know, they'll be getting, they'll be within about within 20 starts for next year. And you assume hope with health, they would get to that. So I think he's, you know, that pool is coming back, but Wainwright's been good, but the loss of Flaherty again hurts. And you what I didn't get a chance to watch Miles Michaelis on what was that? I guess it's game one of the of the doubleheader. Um, I, the reports I saw were that he wasn't necessarily that good. The fact that they pulled him after three innings, even in a seven inning game, kind of indicated that. Um, but Mike Schilt afterwards was, "Hey, everything's great." Um, 
what did you what did you if you got to see and I oh yeah yeah i watched i actually watched quite a bit of it i um that was the one benefit of it uh um about it raining out is i was able to watch quite a bit on wednesday i was surprised now i'm not saying that i don't know i'm kind of riding the fence on this i was kind of surprised that you told me there was so much pushback because i was like ah, that's kind of what i expected i didn't think he was was terrible um I'm trying to think of anything that I'm looking at pulling up the game log right now, and I'm not sure, not certain that's going to tell the whole story because I'm having a hard time kind of remembering how things were. Now, what I liked is I, I just about texted you when this happened, mm-hmm. where we have this conversation of, and I think it was last week that we haven't necessarily seen playoff shield yet. I felt like that was kind of the move. Yeah. To be aggressive on it, especially considering it was a seven inning game, but you know there was some, there was some tough luck, and I'm trying to think of you know I, I don't know what the dividing line would be between tough luck and and, and not looking good. I'm not real sure. Yeah. yeah, he gave up six hit or five hits, four runs, one walk. He threw 55 pitches in three innings, which I think that maybe because it seemed like the end, and I didn't see a lot. I just saw yeah. people talk about. It. There was a little bit of command issues, a little bit of maybe getting away with some stuff. So I don't sure. Know. Well, and it, you know what? It was one of those situations too, to where they scored in the first, and then he did the the thing that does drive me nuts. He walked yeah. the leadoff hitter. Yeah, you know that that was the one thing that I was like, "Wow, crap!" You know, one of those. Is this how this is going to be? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gone. You know, now he's gone four starts um, since coming back. Um, for the most part, they've been fine um but he hasn't i mean yeah he's had one one start that he went five innings other than that he hasn't gone um past four and a third uh the last two you know he's given up three and four runs i don't know i mean i'm still and of course you know michael's still trying to fill his way we've seen more of him (laughs) seen more of him this year than we did all of last year and um it's it's hard to, to really know what they're going to get out of him, but um, I don't know. I, th- I think that he has to be a kind of a key cog this, this time around. Right. Cause well, yeah, especially now. Yeah. It's kind of been yeah. ramped up. Um, and then you've got Hap and Lester who Hap had looked good for the Cardinals <laughs> until last night, which will undo any good that he had done. And yeah, you were one that said that you kind of believed in, in John Lester and the last two starts seemed to have buried you out a little bit. Well, it, it's, I feel like that's the kind of start you're going to get from him. You know, he's going to, uh, he's going to battle you. If he can't throw the ball over the plate anymore, you know, and it's, it's one of those, if he's going to get corners, he's going to be tough. And, uh, and I thought that was a great start. I mean, it, it, he, he caught Naquin looking on it, just a completely nasty pitch in a big part of the game. You know, and it was still just one to nothing, you know, and it was, uh, and I was like, man, that was, that was nice to see. I mean, he's going to bulldog you, you know, he has a little bit of Wainwright in him. And I think that that's kind of where rubbing off on some of those guys. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know if Burns is such a good matchup on Sunday, but, uh, yeah. but, you know, stranger things have happened. I, I, I the one thing that you, that we can't, that, that we can't, we're going to have to give a little credit to the front office. They've get, they've eliminated a lot of the walk issues. And the guys are going four to five to six innings, which that you, you know, and you know that that's what you're going to get outside of the hap situation, and uh, you know that's that's what they wanted. They wanted some sustainability to see if they could keep themselves in games, and it's worked. Yeah, I think you have to give 
the front office a lot of credit in general for targeting the right players. I mean, yeah, we all that's a wanted, good point. We all wanted them to do something big, and and I'm not saying that they they're without fault because they probably should have done more than they did. But the players that they have brought in, except for maybe Justin Miller, uh, who has been all right, but he's been hurt. And I don't know that there's anything that stands out about him, but you think about Wade LeBlanc, you think about Jose or uh, yeah, Garcia, you think about TJ McFarlane and then yeah, Appen Lester for the most part. I mean, they're not flashy, but like you said, the walk rates have gone way down um, until recently. I think that Cardinals were like the bullpen may have been like second or third in the majors over the second half in the walk rate, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that has made the games much more interesting for one thing that's they've been more successful. Um, and it makes you feel like this team I still don't feel like this team is good or anything like that, or really good, you know, necessarily. But you feel much more like it's not a dumpster fire when they're not walking four batters a game. Yeah, to where you, I mean, you're just debilitated. You know, yeah. what I mean, you're giving up free passes, you're working, you're causing trouble, and yeah, it, that that has been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I I. You know, to to be able to see that fixed, I don't maybe not fixed, but definitely improved, uh, kind of on the fly is is a credit to the front office. Again, I feel like they probably should have done more in in June for starting pitching. Yeah, um, I feel like they could have. You know, if they were going to get a Happ or a Lester, they could have done that in June and maybe fix those problems earlier. Um, and you know. But, you know, we, we gave them a lot of grief about these moves. It's kind of dumpster diving, but they've done, they've, they've known what they were doing in that regard. So we'll give them credit for that. Alex Reyes, as we said, blew the game on Sunday and one heartbreaking two so Alex Reyes fashion, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the Pirates had not, they got three, what? They got three hits in the one inning against KK and that scored them a run. That was the only hits they'd had all all game. And then Alex Reyes walks the leadoff guy, gets an out, walks a guy, gets an out, gives up the home run. Um, and, I, you know, and it's still to the point, even though things are better, I don't know that any of us really feel comfortable with a two-run lead late in the game. Yeah, just because they can get that, take care of that, but there's that non-zero chance they're not going to. Yeah, yeah, and it's... I feel like that he's just hit a wall, you know, in that situation. That's tough for me because I'm a huge Alex Reyes fan. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm glad to see that they're going to some different options. I, I do kind of wonder how much the three strikeouts in the appearance the other day may lead to the next you know, chance to close the game out. And they're going to handle him with kids' gloves as far as emotional-wise. I really wanted to see him get multiple innings. In the, in the second game of that doubleheader. I thought it was a good situation, but the way that he was used, I feel like that's probably going to be, he's going to be thrown back into the fire real quick, and you're going to be doing, it's going to be done in Milwaukee, who they're going to be all over you. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how well that's been handled. I think that we could all kind of see that, that, uh, you know, he's filthy. He's probably, I mean, arguably the best pitcher on the roster, but you kind of wonder if they should just let, let loose of that 
you know, train of thought right now and let Gallegos and Cabrera close some games out and kind of spread the wealth around a little bit. Or even Garcia. I feel like he's been really good. Well, I think that I'm, I'm not – I understand what you're saying. I don't know that I'm sold on them moving Reyes back to the bull, to the, the closer role that quickly. Yeah, I would love to be wrong on that. Yeah. I think just because they didn't say, you know, well, maybe we'll give him a break or whatever, it really felt like, you know, not saying that he's not going to close a game at some point in time, but I don't know that he's going to do it regularly. And then that gets me to really kind of gets me to the question I was going to ask you. You know, when they said they're going to pull out Reyes from the rotation, that Schilt kind of said he'd play the matchups. He'd play, you know, what worked out best. Yet, in both closing situations, <laughs> it went to Giovanni Gallegos. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that that might not have been a the, – the matchups might not have added that. And maybe it's a situation where, you know, McFarland or, or Garcia or – or somebody else, will, or even Reyes, will get a chance, depending on who the batters are coming up or whatever. But it, it also feels like this is just replacing Gallegos, or replacing Reyes with Gallegos, and that's our closer now. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Do you think yeah. that if it keeps going, we'll see different people? I don't know. I, I think it'll probably be uh, Gallegos for the most part. I mean, that's that's the that line of we'll just play the matchups has turned into the uh, the ultimate just push it, you know, kick the can down the road a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or not play our hand type situation. But uh, but yeah, that's and I'm actually comfortable with that. You know, if that if that's the the way they're going to go, and I understand they don't want to do that because they. Uh, it's just their handling of Reyes and, and they're, they don't want anything to be a detriment, you know, right now and on an, a mental or an emotional type, um, type angle. And maybe that's right. I mean, I, like I said, I, I would, I kind of like that, you know, definite closer type situation if you can work up to it. But you know, I, I, sometimes you just kind of wish they'd call it like they'd see it and, and say, Hey, we're going to start stretching Reyes out. Yeah, I also would like to think, I don't necessarily think, but I would like to think that it's a situation where Gallegos is your ninth inning guy unless there's a you know one out in the seventh and the bases are loaded. Yeah, a yeah. One run game and you feel like you could bring him in there, you know, take care of it and then do the rest of the game later with, you know, Vic Farland or Garcia or whoever. Yeah. I just don't think we've seen that. I think you'd more like I agree. Garcia to come in that spot and yeah. save Gallegos for the for the ninth. I, I um, can, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I mean, we have seen Mike Schilt be creative at some points. In <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say, but yeah. not not to that extent. I don't yes. feel like. Um, and I don't. I mean, there are. To be fair, it is kind of goes to the microscope thing. You know, most players, most managers don't do that. Sometimes they're more aggressive about bringing in their closer, maybe in the eighth or something of that nature. But it's rare that you see a guy bring his closer in into the seventh. You know, a guy that really does normally close into the seventh and then try to figure out the rest of the game. Um, maybe in the playoffs you'll see that, but not as much of the regular season. It's it's too bad because you, we all know how many games you're much more likely to lose a game in the seventh and the ninth. I think, yeah, um, you know, just the way that, that the that the game is, the situations are, and stuff like that. Um, I'd rather see him do that, but yeah, I don't, 
I I think that we've pretty much just you know new guy for the old guy. Um, but you're right. I think the the use of Reyes over the next month is going to be kind of interesting because it would seem like you say that this is a great chance to try to build him up, put him in those you know games win loss or even a game that you know hey you had Miles Michaelis pitch four innings yeah. and just you know let Reyes pitch the fifth sixth seventh or fifth and sixth at least see what happens even if it's a close game or even if it's not you know start start to build that up because I just don't I'm still concerned about and we've talked about this a number of times and we'll probably talk about it a number of times more just how they're going to be able to use him in a starting rotation next year when he's barely thrown any innings this year. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a concern of mine as well, uh, because I feel like, you know, what we had talked about, I feel like you have to start him next year and have to give him that shot, a legitimate shot to start. I think you should do that. Um, I know the pushback because historically he's had trouble throwing strikes, but you know, I still think that you're right there to where I, it, you know, he's got a starter repertoire. I think that's what you need to look at. But what you just said about working him up, and in the back of their mind, the concern. I just wonder if they just haven't. You know, I use this all the time, but if they just hadn't pigeonholed him to be a to bull, a bullpen guy, period. And that's frustrating to me because I, that's that's to the detriment of the player. I mean, because there's a, there was points of the season right now where you. I, you could point that he was arguably the best arm in that on that roster, and it gets frustrated. It's frustrating because now I just don't want this to be the way that we see him forever. Because I felt like you kind of saw that with Carlos Martinez as well. Yeah, I'm afraid that Reyes has kind of gotten into that no man's land because it's you know I don't know that the Cardinals are. I think you know I, I kind of believe what they're saying. I think they want him to be a starter. Next yeah. Time. But I also feel like he's going to be kind of stuck in this idea of how do you become a starter when you haven't grown? Has he? I don't know if he's thrown a five inning stint in the majors. Um, I'd have to go back to 2016 to look, um, but I doubt it. Um, well, he started five games. Yeah, he probably he probably got five innings back in 16. But that's you know five plus years ago. Um, he hasn't thrown an extended period since then in the majors he did some in the, in the minors in his rehabs yeah um and i don't want them i don't want them to say alex reyes is our fifth starter for next year and let that be the you know so we're not going to go out and get a guy you know make you know if they want to let alex reyes compete for that spot fine yeah i don't want them to to base their season on Alex Reyes being that way because we've seen that, right? We've like, we don't want to bring anybody in because we might not have a spot for, you know, Alex Reyes. Well, you know, I, I think that's going to be a problem because then that's when you get a guy that can't pitch out of the you know third or fourth inning for two or three months and, you know, taxes your bullpen. And I don't know, maybe that's, maybe they re-signed KK to try to, you know, do something with that. But Boy, if you're going to try to make a push next year, it becomes hard for Alex Reyes to be in your rotation. Um, but if he's not in your rotation, then he never will be. Yeah, and that's one of those things where I would love to – I love exactly where you were going with that. It would be amazing if you can get the Alex Reyes that you think you're going to get or hope you want to get mm-hmm. to be your three-starter because that's going to be a pretty good rotation. 
but you got to let it happen. You know what I mean? And you can't bank on it to say, hey, we're going to John Gant you, and you're going to be the best fifth option out there. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like he's got to go and train train like he's going to be the horse that he's going to be, but back yourself up and don't do the do the situation that you had this year to where you fell yourself you 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 were caught short. You know, and I honestly thought they had enough pitching, but it, it, I was wrong. You know, I feel like they were wrong, and I think that you have to cover your back that way. You're a pitching and defense team. I think that you need to cover your back and and still gear him up like he's going to start with the hope that at his best, he may be our third best starter, you know, because that's going to be a pretty good rotation if that happens. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I know that they're going to look at the arms that they have and say they have depth with Oviedo, with Libertor, maybe with Zach Thompson, even if those last two guys, especially need a little bit more time in Memphis, they feel like they have those arms available. Yeah. But I, you know, does, does, does Miles Michaelis give them major caution on to go to Hudson? It should. That's what I think. But, you know, Dakota Hudson should give them major concern on Dakota Hudson, too. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about Dakota, not lately, because Dakota yeah. hasn't been around lately. I've never been overly excited about Dakota Hudson because he walks guys and doesn't strike them out. Um, kind of, but he seems to get away with it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, obviously he's been able to be successful at that. I, I worry that that's going to blow up on him, but I, I would hope that they would, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, relying too heavily on him or. Yeah. That's exactly where him, I was going with it. Yeah. You know, he's at, what is he? Is it arbitration? He's arbitration eligible this off season. You know, they, you know, could they sign him to a, a contract to buy some of those out? Maybe, but I think they'd probably go year to year. Yeah, yeah, especially now. I mean, Hudson has a pitched, you know, he didn't pitch at all last year, or barely any last year, right? Oh, uh, no, he pitched. Yeah, it was late. It was eight, eight games. So it was yeah. late the year last year when he had that Tommy John. I, that was getting away from me. In fact, the fact that he's probably coming back, well, just over a year, that's it's pretty impressive. But, you know, they're not going to, the injury is going to help them in arbitration this year. Assuming yeah. arbitration stays the way it is supposed to. So then they have another year. And I would hope that they would take that because that's the, that's the problem with this front office is they sometimes don't take advantage of the time they have. You know, like with Miles Michaelis, and I think that's maybe where you're getting at. Um, you know, Miles Michaelis, they signed to a two-year deal. Um when they brought him over or as a year in option, one of the two, I don't remember exactly. And he had a great first year, which is fine, but they didn't wait to see if he could have a great second year. He didn't even wait to see if he could get off to a good start in his second year. They went ahead and gave him a four year contract at a, at a pretty reasonable price, but still is the idea of you don't know necessarily It's Matt Carpenter. You know, you had a year, had another option year. You didn't have to go give him this you know new extension especially not coming right off an MVP year where you didn't have the necessarily leverage, um, you know, and yet they did. I feel like they will hand out extensions at inopportune times. And I would like to think that they would let, just kind of let Dakota Hudson play out a little bit to see what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I mean, that's, and I, I wonder if, that was not the angle that I was looking for, but I do wonder if that extension does give them 
a little bit of pushback on the on the Hudson deal just to see where where he comes about. And I think that they were going to spend money. They're gonna they're gonna spend it somewhere else. I honestly I would love to see him go get a a bigger formidable starter. I don't mm-hmm. think that it's going to happen. I just kind of feel like it may be a hap. I was kind of I kind of thought that one of the, bringing those one of the lefties over. I and I thought it may be Lester to be honest with you, but I think it may be hap now. To where that may be their signing, and then they they roll the dice, and and that's pretty dangerous to me, especially with the Flaherty yeah. situation. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at Adam Wainwright in year forty, basically, because he just turned forty, so the next year he's yeah. in forty, you have to hope that he keeps up what he's done, which he could. I, I hope he does, but I don't know if I want to necessarily bet on him. You know, not having at least a, some sort of step back. You have Jack Flaherty, who you have to hope will stay healthy, and hopefully he will. Um, but then you've got Miles Michaelis. You don't necessarily know what you're going to have with. You have J.A. If you bring back Hap, yeah, he's done well, except for last night. Yeah. But he didn't do well for the Twins. I mean, which half are you going to get? Do you really think you're going to get a guy that's going to rebound his whole career like Adam Wainwright did? Yeah. Eh. And then, you know, what are you looking at? Reyes or Hudson or something? That Yeah, that rotation does not necessarily inspire me with confidence. And I'm not saying they have to go out and get a Scherzer or anything like that, but surely there's something out there that gives you a little bit more certainty. Sure. And, you know, and I, I kind of wonder if they weren't so blown away with Odorizzi, and that's why they decided to do this. Because last year's starting market was really down. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not completely certain who's going to be out there this year, but I, I do think that that may be some of the water they play in. I, I just don't want it to be a situation to where – they go get somebody, and it stops them from getting another offensive uh, player that it's been proven that they need. Yeah. You know, because because I, I think that they could very easily talk themselves into, hey, let's bring back Hap, and let's the numbers are good, look, are looking really good for Carlson to take that next step. You know, and he might, but I just I feel like they need more certainty than that on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I agree. I, I and if there was anything. Well, if you had to pick just one, I think you would take that offense because you could get by with that pitching. Yeah, rotation. yeah. I mean, and Libertor's out there. I mean, that, he's right. he's not going to be in Memphis all year next year. That's right. you know, it's one of those. That's that's another name. Yeah, and Oviedo with a little bit of time in Memphis. I mean, at least he's got major league experience. Yeah. We've seen. I mean, him. and that's that's seven that's names cool. we brought up right there. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, if you had to pick one, yeah, I think, but you don't have to pick one. I think that's the that's yeah. what we need to. I think it's what I don't know if we can. I mean, I, we always like to talk about holding the front office accountable. Yeah, like we can do much. You know, what I mean, yeah, you know, we, can, we can sit and talk and complain and not show up at the games and maybe that pays attention. But you know, for the most part, it doesn't. Does this season, and in particular the the month of June, make you think that this was the bridge year though? That they oh, may yeah. really be in play because I wonder about that. I think that they definitely felt like this would be a a bridge type year. I mean, partly because they didn't, you know, going into the season, didn't know when the play when fans were going to show back up. Apparently, still don't know when fans are going to show back up. That's another story. Um, you know, they didn't know what kind of money they were going to have in that regard. Um, and yeah, I think they kind of thought they'd be turning it over to maybe a Libertour and the Gormans and stuff like that next year as money kind of starts rolling off the books. So that's what I'm going to pull up. I mean, right now, 
right now, according to roster resource over on Fangraphs, yeah, they've got it, the estimated payroll for the Cardinals for this year at $169 million and estimated for next year for the Cardinals at 91. I mean, that's, you know, $80 million difference. Um, so there's money to can be spent there. And some of that's going to, you know, I, I guess it doesn't have estimates in for, for uh, arbitrary. I mean, yeah, so well, I, I was on mute, and I thought I had s- said something really funny, and I realized <laughs> I was like, hey, their arbitration ain't going to be $80 million. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. They got Flaherty and Bader and Reyes and Hicks for arbitration and Hudson and O'Neill and Gallegos. So those guys, plus you got a few pre-arb guys, but they're going to get, you know, minimal money. Um, actually, I mean, that's a – Boy, you start looking at that arbitration group. That's some interesting names in there, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Flaherty is they. I know they. I wonder if this isn't the year that they try, actually try, of course, after the CBA gets settled, to do a, a long-term deal with Flaherty. Yeah. Because they know a little bit more about him. You know, Bader. Oh man. I don't know what that arbitration case looks like. I wonder about that. See, that's if you were to tell me that you had a crystal ball and that they re-signed Bader and Alex Reyes, I probably wouldn't argue with you. No. You know what I mean? Because that that is one of the reasons why. Because the Bader thing could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what numbers are. I mean, right now he's making $2 million. Yeah. I guess it depends on what numbers to get submitted. But, I mean, you've got – now, in Bader's case, he's got great defense in that one really hot month, kind of boasting his stuff. And the yeah. Cardinals, you know, on the other side, it's not a lot of not a lot of production. And how much can defense really you know get paid for? And then Reyes, well, I got all these saves and I've got all this stuff. Yeah, but by the end of the year, we have to take you out of that because yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I figure both of those. You know, all these cases are probably going to get somewhat settled. Sure. I mean, Jordan Hicks doesn't have much of a case. Um, he's got a, he's just not pitched. Um, you know, and then Gallegos, I, you know, do any of these guys get, well, I don't think they would trade any of these arbitration guys, but and they definitely, there's nobody on this list that gets non-tendered. Um, they're not, they're not just flat out dropping any of these guys. Yeah. So, but anyway, so what? Say twenty. Let's say seven guys. Twenty million dollars goes to that for those guys. Does that seem right? Yeah. Well, I was thinking. I was like, do you think sixteen million dollars would? You think that's high or low? When I say that's what may handle Bader and Reyes, just to say eight million a year on both of them. Oh, that seems pretty high to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way too high. I think. For the fact that they still have arbitration. Well, I still think both of them get a raise. You know, yeah, that's that's the but thing. I mean, but, uh, you know, Bader was getting $2 million this year, and, and Reyes is getting nine uh, 900000 I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Even if you double both the of Reyes, them. The Reyes, they've benefited from his arm. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you double both of those, it's 5.8 yeah. for the two. So, yeah. And I think the only person that's going to make any big money, because Dakota Hudson, again, he won't have much of an arbitration case. Taylor O'Neill will have an interesting case, but, you know, he's at what? Less, he's at 594.7 this year. So he could go up to a couple million. Yeah. Probably. Uh, and Gallegos, mm, maybe the same. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I think you're looking at 
for all those guys, except for Flaherty. And Flaherty's the, you know, obviously the kicker. But you're looking at 15 million without Flaherty, I think would be reasonable. Um, so that still leaves you, what, you know, $65 million to take care of Flaherty plus getting free agents. Um, you know, and that's, you know, probably Wainwright's going to be, you know, eight or $9 million of that, you know, then what, you know, I mean, I think that they've got a lot of, a lot of options there, yeah. you know? Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure reading this. I can't, I guess it didn't count the, I'm, it counts the buyout for, for Carpenter, but it doesn't count as option. Okay. So, cause I'm going to say there, nobody's going to pick up that option. So, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, I don't think that's in there. So, uh, yeah, I think that they've got a lot of kind of rambling here, but um, no, I like this. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, I think they've got a lot of opportunities. They've got opportunity to make a big splash offensively and a pretty decent splash in the pitching side of things if they want to do it. That's that's what I think. I mean, because you know that's assuming they want to keep their payroll the same as they kept it this year. Yeah, there's a real good argument for increasing that now that you know next year is going to be a full year um of of fans assuming there's games and i'm again all this stuff's going to kind of get depend on the cba but you're gonna have you know fans in the stands from game one um you gotta hope that you know with the right play you're gonna have actual a good attendance um you know i'm not saying that they're gonna like you know go out and spend a ton but even if they raise their payroll to 180 million. Well, that's another 10 million on top of what they're already getting loose. So to, to settle for Trevor story. Only, uh, yeah. That, 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 I just don't think that's fair. Yeah. No, and I agree. And it's funny. You took the words out of my mouth on that because what I worry, that's what, what I'm concerned about is I think that you could set that shortstop market by Correa and Seager. But when you look at Seager, Seager is not going to demand the money that I was thinking he was going to. Because I was thinking he may be a $300 million guy, and that's just not the, that's not going to be the case. Right. Um, but then you wonder if Story's probably third on the list and Bias is probably fourth. Bias is probably going back to Chicago because that's he probably thumbed his way down to anybody <laughs> else. You know what I mean? He's going to go where he's yeah. loved. I just feel like he's going back. He, he ends up back in Chicago. Um, which leaves – you just wonder if they're not – the Yankees are going to get one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if the top two are the two that we think that they're not going to get in a bidding war against. And then you could bring in a, a shortstop who just happens to be friends with the third baseman who's you, who you potentially want to be a long-term guy. And I wonder if that's where it falls into because, A, he's not the most expensive guy on the market. B, that would probably be a cheaper way to do it. And C, that could be the only move they make and be happy with it. And I don't know if that's necessarily a, a successful offseason. I don't I don't know that it is either. I mean, it's better than some offseasons for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're kind of in a, in a bad place right now. And, I mean, again, you've also got the idea – I don't know what, you know, I don't know what, how much, again, you don't want to base into this, but, you know, is Nolan Gorman going to be ready for second base? I, yeah. Year? Yeah. You know, and if so, what does his bat do? Do you have a guy like Juan Yepes as your, you know, bench guy or occasional outfielder or something like that? Cause it doesn't, you know, he's not going to play first base. Um, 
but you know, do you have some or or DH? Is he your DH if you have a DH in the National League? You know, do you? You know, we were talking about before the show. You know, do you get Albert Pujols to be your part-time DH, part-time bench guy? Because he can still hit lefties, which this team has had trouble with in the past. I don't know. I mean, but there's you can't just you can't have an offseason like this last offseason and say great deal. I mean, you can't bring in one big name, resign Albert or resign Wainwright and Molina, which they've already done. Um, you know, even bring in an Albert. I don't. I, you know, you can't play a lot to the nostalgia and say, "Oh, look, we're going to be great with Goldschmidt and." Arnado and story. I, I just don't think that that's, I mean, will they be good? Sure. Will they finish over 500? Probably, you know, will they be a serious contender for the world series? I don't know that they would be. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it, I agree because I feel like that move and you're still banking on some of the guys who I think are going to be good players, right, but I still right. think you're banking on them to make that jump now ahead of the, ahead of, ahead of things. Like, if you just watch the Sunday night game and you look at the Dodgers lineup, and well, I, here's another one. Let's say you watch the Field of Dreams game, mm-hmm. and I know it's different because you have the designated hitter in both, but the White Sox and Yankees lineup is just loaded from top to bottom. And that's just not the case you get with the Cardinals. You know what I mean? You're banking on a couple guys, and I, I know you're pitching a defense club. I've even said it on this, but I, I think you have to lengthen that lineup a little bit more. Um, I think we felt they were short last year. I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it is, but I still think you need another bopper somewhere. And it's, I, I think you sell yourself short if you don't do that. Just because when you look at other teams and the teams that are going to be there, I mean, they're, I mean, you're, you're battling throughout the lineup with them. And sometimes I just don't feel like you do that with St. Louis. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, let's talk a little bit about attendance. Cause we've been, I've made some yeah. references right there. Um, Attendance, you know, we thought it was bad, right? I mean, we've seen St. Louis and we're like, man, there's empty seats, blah, 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 blah. And to be fair, the numbers that we're going to talk about here are going to be tickets sold and not necessarily people that show up. So that's a different story. But, you know, we saw, at least the little bit that I saw, um, you know, Cincinnati's in the playoff hunt, for in the playoffs right now. And it didn't seem like they had people at their ball. Yeah, boy. Um, We've seen, feels like we've seen other, look, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh never has people at their ballpark, so it's really hard to tell. So I went and looked it up. The Cardinals right now, on average, um, because everybody's played different games, are seventh in the major leagues in attendance. Yeah. 23,771. Again, that's tickets sold. And even at that, even if 23,000 people are showing up, that's going to look pretty empty in Bush Stadium because we're used to 35 to 40. Um, you look at the teams above them. Of course, the Dodgers are at 32,000, which the Dodgers always are up there because they have a big stadium. I mean, that's part of the deal too, in a bigger area and stuff like that. Um, Atlanta, a little bit surprised that Atlanta is second. Um, Texas, their their fans are finally getting to see that new ballpark, so that may be part of that because Texas isn't good. Uh, San Diego's in the playoff hunt, been you know exciting team. They're fourth. Houston fifth, the Rockies sixth, and then the Cardinals a seventh. Again, we're used to the Cardinals being farther up, but you know from a 
and this may be a bad thing for people to hear from a front office point of view, the numbers, the tickets sold and things of that may not be as far off when you look at the state of the game as they appear to us watching the games. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. And listen, apathy plays has played a part. There's no doubt, but other worldly events have too. I mean, that, that there's no doubt about it. The one thing about that list that you read to me that tells me a ton is the fact that San Francisco is not in the top five. Yeah. Because they have a fan base similar to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And to see them not there tells you a lot more. It, it says more than you think it does. San Francisco is 17th. Yeah. Right now. Now, again, of course, you know, the Dodgers are first. I was going to say, you know, California has had some, you know, you know, rules and regulations and mandates and things like that from what I can gather just looking at the news. But, you know, LA and L- and San Francisco, you wouldn't think would be that far apart. Um, and yet, you know, they get almost not quite double uh, yeah. the at LA games, um, even though San Francisco has been awesome this year. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, coming out of nowhere. So, those, you know, um, the, uh, in fact, they're right behind the Reds. Reds are at 16th. Um, you know, Boston 11th, um, the White Sox, good team. They're 13th. Um, trying to just kind of scroll through there. I mean, you know, you, wow. I mean, you look at some of these teams and I know that they're usually a bit rough and I have, maybe they, this is normal. Oakland, Tampa Bay, Miami, and Toronto all average under 10,000. Yeah. They all average under 9,000. Um, and again, I know those teams usually struggle, yeah. Those, but that that really stands out. And again, some of these averages may be a little bit skewed because you know early on, and you only had fifty percent capacity and all that kind of stuff. And it really may depend on when you had your games. You know, if you had a lot of games before the stadium was at full capacity, or if you've had them later. And so there's these may not tell the entire story, um, but I think that overall. It's, it's an attention getter for the front office, but it may not be this, you know, alarm bell. Yeah. That, that we're thinking it is. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I think that, uh, like I said, yes, apathy plays a part, but there's a, there's a, a ton of other reasons as well. Yeah. Um, we kind of got away from it. I wanted to talk to you a little bit, though. You, we talked about Dakota Hudson and, and the, the hesitancy I have with him, but it does sound like he'll probably be coming up soon. You had a chance to see him out at, at Tulsa, what, last night? Last night. Yeah. How did that, how did he look? He looked really good. I mean, he was setting mid 90s the whole time and uh, threw 43 pitches. And it was funny, he had, he, so there was a leadoff triple hit against him. And it was a ball that was dropped in deep center, but it was hit well. I mean, to the deepest part of the ballpark, probably should have been caught, but the guy had to run a long way. You know, it's, it's a base mm-hmm. hit. But man, he locked down after that. He goes 2-0 on the next hitter, and the 2-0 slider he hits, this, the guy, it, it completely ate him up. So he gets out of the inning unscathed, and get, he had some traffic the whole time, but pitched really well. And I was watching. I mean, he was 93-95 to 95 all night, and uh, real fluid arm movement. Uh, so I, it would not surprise me, and I know this may be gung-ho, but it would not surprise me if he's in Milwaukee today. Not necessarily to take a roster spot, but I bet he probably gets examined and they're going to try to rush this thing through. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's not much time left. Although once he's been on that rehab start, 
Oh. It's only his second one. That's yeah. you know. So, but I, it, the the Memphis extended two weeks it makes things a little interesting as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that I don't I don't know. I bet he comes back pretty quick. Let's see if. I mean, I, a little bit surprised that he pitched, unless they're all on the road. I'm a little bit surprised that he pitched um, in Tulsa because they like to get these guys to pitch yeah. at home. Um, let's see what Memphis's schedule is next week. Well, and this would be, I mean, this is the last week of Double A, you know, yeah. so that this is, I mean, just to move up and to, to do another run through here at this level, it would have had to have been in Tulsa. Yeah, next week is the Memphis is in Nashville which might not be a terrible thing. So they might let him go back there. But you're right. That kind of gets me uh, to the, you know, the Cardinals made September 1st, you get the call-ups. But this year, should have been last year, this is the first year, they only get two. Which I have argued is a terrible thing. Um, I have argued this quite a bit in numerous reasons. Um, One, because two is just pointless if don't do it at all if you're not going to if you're going to do two partly because um you know this is when you brought up 10 or 10 or 12 minor leaguers if you did and most teams didn't necessarily bring that many up but if you brought up those guys that was a month's worth of major league salary for those guys which is huge i mean it's kind of like back in the old days when the ball players you know played for the world series check, you know, because that was like double their normal salary. Um, you know, that's the kind of, the kind of that bonus that those players got to get. And you got to see some guys, right? You get, I mean, if there's a 40 man expansion, Juan Yepes is, is in Milwaukee today, right? Um, oh yeah, without a doubt. No, there's no, there's no way. Um, but Cardinals bring up Ali Sanchez and Brandon Dixon, which is, if you wanted to pick the most uninspired expansion of roster, I don't know how you do anything more than that. I, there is nobody <laughs> in the major, in the minor leagues that is less exciting than those two guys. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think. I mean, can you think of anything else that, that would be I- like – well, no, nah, I mean, is it not, is it not status quo with the Cardinals right now though? It, 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 least, it is. Let's not push any buttons. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. but yeah, you're right. I mean, the way that I look at the Dixon deal is there's a little bit of nostalgia. There's a little yeah. bit of, there's a little bit of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this for you. Yeah, but yeah. I would probably be looking over my shoulder at Hudson real quick because you're not going to be on the 40 man roster when he gets activated. That's the way that I looked at that move. Yeah, I don't. I don't think even without Hudson coming, you know, Dixon was going to stay the whole time. Yeah, I think that I really do think they wanted to. They wanted to make sure they had a chance to give Dixon this story to some degree. Not that he'd earned it in minor. I mean, he was in AAA at least. It was yeah. terrible, right? Yeah, but this perseverance. You know, he's coming back. It's a great story. People could talk about it. You know, he's here, you know, 10 years after that one start he made in 2011 and blah, 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 which is fine. Um, It's more fine when you're not technically in a playoff race, but fine. And I'm afraid they, I think they may have thought they couldn't do it later in this, you know, like later in the season, because if they do get tight, they really don't want to have him on there. Yeah. 
but your point about um, Hudson made a lot of a lot of sense. I mean, they had to move Ryan Helsley to the sixty day to get Dixon on the the forty um, man roster, which okay. Um, but you know now they can just take Dixon off. Nobody's going to claim him, and Hudson can go on because Hudson's yeah. got to come on the forty man because he's on the sixty day DL. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, so that did solve their forty man problem. They could have brought up. Seth Elledge, who is on the 40 man, who hasn't necessarily pitched well in Memphis either. Um, and, but then you still have that, you know, who are they going to get rid of? Although then they would have probably just done the Helsley thing. And so it wouldn't have mattered. So I yeah. Don't know. I, I will tell you this year, I have been, I have had more incorrect guesses on those roster moves than I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm a perfectionist on those things, but man, they do some bizarre stuff sometimes. Yeah. Well, and some of it we don't even necessarily know, like, like, uh, Coveta or, or whatever his name is, you know, wound up, I mean, even Jeff Jones was talking, trying to be like, Hey, right now the 40 man's at 41, you know, at one time, well, he was on the, the COVID IL in the minor league or yeah. something like that, which should count toward that. So you don't always know who's, who's counting toward, but yeah, there's been some times and it's always been. And there's also a lot of times we talked about it for what, two weeks, like, man, they're going to have this roster crunch. They're going to have this roster crunch. And then Kim got hurt and you know, everybody had played yeah. hard. like, Oh, well, never mind. It's not, it's going to take care of itself. Um, but yeah, I think Hudson, you're right. I think Hudson's coming up. Um, I think that, you know, we were talking before the show about this, the third catcher doesn't necessarily doesn't make any sense to me right now at all. Because you've gone all year with two catchers at 26 men. Why do you need a third catcher all of a sudden when you've got 28 men? That just doesn't make sense to me. If you've got a whole bunch of people coming up and you want to bring up a third catcher, that makes sense. Okay, fine, sure. Um, I looked at a couple of other teams. You know, the, the Nationals are right now running three, but, you know, they're out of it. Um, the Dodgers and Phillies didn't bring up a catcher, you know. And I feel like, I mean, the argument was from Mike Schilt. But that freed up Andrew Kisner to be a pinch hitter. I don't necessarily, I don't think anybody's been clamoring for Andrew Kisner to be a pinch hitter. Um, I think people want to see Andrew Kisner get at bats, but I think they want to see him get at bats as a catcher, right? And I think the idea of him playing once every series, you know, once every three or four days has been very good, you know, gives him a chance. But he's not. I don't think he's gonna. He's in a spot where he's going to be able to come up and, and hit. And I mean, if it's him or Matt Carpenter, okay, maybe you take him. But I don't think there's really anybody on the bench. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think there's much point. That doesn't make that argument doesn't make any sense to me because I don't think Kisner's that kind of bat that you just have to give him a chance to bat. Because if so, you could have done that numerous times. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's. Yeah. I'm not really sure how it. I'm not. I mean, I don't know. I it felt like that was going to be the move the whole time, just because that seemed like whatever that everybody yeah. media was was saying. But it, you're right. I didn't think about how boring the whole situation was, and when you look, you're just like, man, they are pretty uninspiring, you know, to have to make that move so you can get Kisner to hit every once in a while. You know what I mean? And yeah. we've seen it. We've seen Kisner re- recently, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make make a whole lot of sense, but you know, I, I just like we were talking before the show. There was a time where I was like, "Man, the forty year man stuff is stupid. It just it drags out the games." But now I miss it already. 
Because yeah. that was added a little bit of an element of fun to it. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like you. I, I'd like to – I would like to be able to bring all the guys up but only play like 30 or active yeah. that night. But, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of th- about roster things that baseball can do a little bit differently that uh, historically they just wouldn't budge off of. And this seems to be one of them. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because we've, we've heard some talk about, you know, service time and things like that being a part of the CBA – it'll be kind of interesting to see if, um, if there's, if, if that changes, you know, if, if, if some of the rules will change and he'll be able to, uh, they'll be able to bring them up a little bit differently in the future. I, I don't know. Um, I, but yeah, I just kind of look at the 40 man to see if you're, if you're going to be just staying on the 40 man and I think there's an argument, very good argument for bringing up Juan Yepes now because yeah. you have to protect him in the off season. You, you know, give him a chance to, you know, he's not going to play a whole lot and maybe that's a problem, but you, he's not gonna play a whole lot next year if he's on your team either. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're going to have to at least either protect him or trade him. Um, and you might as well, I mean, you can find ways to get, I mean, if you cut Seth Elledge off the 40 man, nobody's going to really go. Bring up um, a freaking hot hand. Yeah, do you know that's one thing that bothers. Yeah, exactly. That's you know what. Obviously, that the overreaction in the on the Rosa Reina deal was it was very very premature. Yeah, you know, to right. see what he's done this year. But man, just just do it. Yeah, you know, make that move. See if you can't come up here and find lightning in a bottle a little bit. That's that's the things that they just don't do. Well, and for the fact that uh, we need to be able to evaluate our guys better, you know, or we need to you know know what you've got to not then bring a guy up and at least give him a, you know, few, yeah. you know, and he wouldn't get many at bats. I mean, but he's probably, you know, you know, you get a start or two and maybe, especially if he can play outfield, um, get some late inning work. Yeah. Especially if a game gets blown out, he's the first baseman, but you know, come off the bench and, and see, I don't know. Maybe they don't really want to put a, a young guy in that position, but man, the bench has been so bad that, you can't do much worse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I agree. I completely agree with that. Um, but if you wanted to stay on the 40 man, I mean, there's, I'm not sure if he's hurt. Justin Williams didn't have a whole lot of bats this year. I know well, he was hurt for a while. Yeah. According to uh, baseball too, is the, the BR page. He's still on the IL. Okay. Well, that explains that. Mm. Cause see, that's the thing on this, on the Cardinals 40 man, they just list them in the minors. They don't yeah. know that they're on the, and I didn't, and then look. So yeah, you really didn't have. I mean, Austin Dean's hurt himself this week. I hadn't played since. I don't think. Um, and the only other man, the only other hitter in the minor leagues on the forty man is Avon Herrera, who's obviously not coming up. Yeah. Um. So, wow. I mean, that's just it's an interesting situation that you don't have. Some, some of your best bats are not on the 40 man and you've got a ton of pitchers that probably don't need to be there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, and you know, we got this, this, this TJ Zooch that they, they picked That's up. That's another one. I was like, I just, yeah, I agree. I look you at know, that and I'm like, man, I don't know. I, you know, it's, I'm sure somewhat hands tied, but I feel like they could have done a lot, something else with that, you know, and, and that, to bring those two guys up really kind of means that, you know, if you get to the playoffs, great. If you don't, okay. No, we've been competitive, you know, 
we're not going to necessarily just strain ourselves. Yeah, right now is a dream scenario for what they thought was going to happen. You know what I mean? You're not out of it. No. So that's true. So, um, man, I thought I I had something just flew through my head. I wanted to ask you about, and I don't remember what it was. (sighs) Um, I guess it wasn't important and we've gone on long enough. People probably aren't going to be here to listen to me. (laughs) Um, If I think about it after the show, I'll ask you. So gotcha. Uh, Anyway, um, Cardinals get to Milwaukee. Then they've got, um, then they're home. They're home next week, right? Ah, yep, L.A. at home. L.A. at home. That's right, because Ed Robert and Albert comes back. Yep. Come back through. So, um, should be should be an interesting thing, and that might uh, boost the attendance a little bit as well. Uh, maybe move them into sixth place in there. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. So um, until next week, as you know, we'll see what we're talking about then. Uh, that is Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Alice said the second for one. The double play. What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy.